Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show, our first of 2023. I am your host, George Ellick, and as ever, I am joined by Andy Holding. Coming up on today's show, we'll be focusing on this weekend's racing at the Cheltenham Trials Day, including the rearranged Clarence House Chase. And later in the show, our festival focus begins, starting this week with the Supreme Novice Hurdle. Before we tackle your Twitter questions for Andy Holding, including his each way anti-post Lucky 15 for the Cheltenham Festival. Andy, it's great that we are back here doing this. It's great that the weather has seemingly finally turned and we're going to get some top quality national hunt racing over this side of the Irish Sea. Absolutely, George. Yeah, and a lot has happened since we last did a podcast together. Uh, plenty of horses, particularly over in Ireland, have threw their cap in the ring and changed the uh, dynamics of a lot of the anti-post races at the Cheltenham Festival. No doubt this weekend as well will also be a similar uh, scenario with lots of uh, toings and froings in the betting jungle. I'm actually going there on Saturday myself. I always try and go to Trials Day because I think it's one of the most important meetings uh, of the season. Um, and I think after next week, this weekend and next weekend, of course, what happens over in uh, Leopardstown, we should get a clearer picture of uh, where a lot of these horses are going to be going in another month or so time. Yeah, we absolutely should be. For, for those who don't follow your column, Andy, you know, even when the the, the, the beginning racing abandoned everywhere uh, over the jumps, you're cracking away with the with the all-weather stuff. How, how's January been? Has it been okay? An, an okay start to the year? Yeah, one or two bumps in the road. My weekend seemed to be my biggest stumbling block, George, which I suppose kind of tells its own tale in the sense that it's the most competitive racing and you tend to look for value and you can come unstuck quite quickly if you're looking for the sort of seven or eight, ten to one chances. But I must admit my sort of like bread and butter, day in, day out, week, uh, you know, work a day, week stuff has, has been okay. You know, I've been finding twos and threes, not on a regular basis, but there's been days when, you know, I put two up and both have won and kept the wolf away from the door. So I, I am in front for January, not by a huge amount, but um, we should get through unscathed and hopefully when the weather clears up a bit and we get some better ground to run on, um, one or two of the um, the jumpers, uh, particularly on the weekends, will start um, uh, performing um, according to the figures because I do find on heavy ground you can get some funny results. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got nine races at Cheltenham um, for you to look forward to, Andy, on course on Saturday. Uh, and we're going to get into them now. Uh, do go and download the, the Odds Checker app where you can find the best prices, book you offers, free bets and uh, the best place terms as well. And Andy's tips, including other tips, is straight to the app. So do go and download, download that. It's just the two of us today, but there are nine races we're going to get through before we do uh, cast our eyes further ahead uh, towards the Cheltenham Festival. But we're going to start off with the um, juvenile uh, yeah, so the, 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 the Triumph trial um, over just an extended two miles where Comfort Zone is the nine to four favourite ahead of Jupiter Tajit at three to one. Dixon Co. four to one. Scriptwriter four to one. Uh, looks kind of a four horse race here with 25 to one bar those. Fair each way angle though with just eight runners as it stands at the moment. But you, you would think one or two may come out by um, post time on Saturday. Um, your kind of race this one, Andy, you know, promising horses with, with a couple of runs under their belt. And hopefully your your speed figures can uh, can tell us who should be coming out on top. Yeah, well, if you if you follow just pure numbers, there's only really uh, a couple of horses, two or three that can win this race. Um, it, it's a division that's yet to really catch fire as such. Um, you know, we have Lossy Mouth, who's a, uh, been a short price anti price favourite for this race, um, and gradually worked her way down to eleven away after winning first time out at Ferry House back in November. She did nothing wrong at Leopardstown over the Christmas period, um, and she sets a, a really good standard. Blood Destiny, 
uh, Willie Mullins' other main representative, did his try and fertile credentials no harm by winning very easily the other day in a fast time. And those those two set the standard. But sandwiched in between them is the uh, is the um, horse of Joseph O'Brien's uh, comfort zone who runs here. Uh, very much perhaps with a view to coming over here and running in the triumph. Other than getting beat by Lossy Mouth early on in the season, he, I don't think he's done a great deal wrong. He improved on that run to win the uh, finale juvenile hurdle at Chepstow, which is always a good test. The time figure was very good. And um, I like his attitude. Um, there's nothing to nothing to fault him in any way, shape or form. Um, Joseph won this race before with Fakir Duduris, who was a similar type um, prior to going on to course run well. Not uh, in the Triumph, but of course in the in the Supreme Novices Hurdle, if mm. you remember. I think he finished fourth, didn't he? Uh, he does actually, however, face quite a, uh, a stern test, not only um, in upholding the form with Dixon Cove, but also up against Jupiter Dijit and Scriptwriter, who um, are two of the best horses we've seen so far this side of the Irish to see. Uh, I'll deal with Jupiter De Gee, uh, first and foremost. Uh, he was a 66-1 to shot, uh, George, when he made his... Um, <laughs> uh, UK debut for for Gary Moore and Gary's other horse in the race Illiston was a lot more strongly fancied it was the race that Jet Powered was a massive odds on shot if you remember mm. I think he went off 2-7 to seven and he bombed out but to be fair to Jimmy De Gea he didn't win um, uh, you know in, in any way shape or form in, in a fluky manner you know he went off in front did it the hard way they joined him and he went away again it's time was good um, it proves that he stays a well run two miles really well I'd imagine that they'll make the running with him and he'll make this a proper test on Saturday. So you're certainly going to know you've been in a race with Jupiter De Gea in a race. I don't necessarily think scriptwriter's quite um, has, has done enough yet to warrant um, him being talked about in a Triumph Hurdle um, sort of mould at the moment. I think, you know, he needs to come through Saturday with flying colours to be, you know, in, in the sort of regions of Lossy Mouth and Blood Destiny. I don't think he's quite good enough. So that leads me on to Dixon Cove, who's, um, I th- is it top price? Have I seen four to one for this floating around, George? Yeah, Dixon Co. Four to one, uh, best price currently. That's with William Hill. As short as eleven to four. Yeah. As short as nine to four elsewhere. Yeah, I think the nine to four is right, but I think the four to one's wrong. She was closing in, um, hoofbeat by hoofbeat um, against uh, Comfort Zone at, at Chepstow last time out, and with another probably twenty, thirty, forty yards, she would have gone up and won. Um, so with that in mind given that we're running over the uh, new course, of course, uh, this weekend, which is the Triumph Hurdle course, that long run between the second last and the last end and that punishing climb to the hill, I think will really suit Dixon Co. Because, because what I've seen of her, she stays really well. And if we're thinking that Jupiter Gee is going to make this a severe test, it's going to really play into her strength. So, I think the the form horses um, are Comfort Zone and Dixon Cove based out of that Chepstow run. And of the two at the prices, um, if you can, can get that four to one, I think Dixon Cove is definitely the way I'd be leaning. Dixon Cove, yeah, four to one best price, uh, as we say, with William Hill. Although it's amazing how often this happens. And apologies to, to the listeners and the viewers. They've just gone 130 as we've been speaking. So someone else has seen <laughs> that four to one. And has, yeah. and has taken it. Uh, seven to two, still about though. That's with ten bet and, and live score bet. Um, Hundred to thirty with Sky Bet uh, Hills and a couple of others too. Uh, obviously a, a big discrepancy with the nine to four about comfort zone. And as Andy says, you know Dixon Cove closing with every stride last time. Uh, Scriptwriter, I um, had the 
uh, unfortunate luck of, of being beaten by a scriptwriter about bass note at Wolverhampton a couple of weeks ago. And I uh, couldn't really believe it when it was a scriptwriter who popped up because there was nowhere else for Milton Harris to, to run in. So sent him off to Wolverhampton and he ended up winning at 11 to 1 uh, over a mile and four. And then did, next up is... Did is bass note win next time? It did, yeah, and I wasn't on. Oh, there Still we go. With your Ponty life, isn't it, that George? I know, I know. Well, we've, we've got a couple of quite good anti-post football positions I can tell you about after uh, after recording, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, on then to the the second race on the card, and uh, we've got the uh, time form novice handicap chase over an extended two and a half miles. Uh, Fire Dancer is a three to one favourite ahead of Unexpected Party at nine to two. Uh, Stage Star five to one. Uh, Dalamois is eight to one. As is Malinello. Uh, 11 to 1, that's all right, Gino. 16 to 1, panic attack. Um, and then 18 to 1, bar those. Uh, 11 runners as it stands. Now, Skybet do go a fifth of four, Andy. Yeah, first and foremost, um, start off by saying that this race has been quite an informative guide to uh, one or two horses that have gone on to run well, indeed, go on to win at the Cheltenham Festival, particularly in the last four years. Mr. Whitaker, who won in 2018, he went on to win. The old novices handicap chase, if you remember mm. uh, correctly, that the two and a half mile handicap they used to run on day one, I think it was, and then they decided in their wisdom to ditch it. Um, Kills uh, Kildasar, who won it three years ago for Ben Pauling, um, went on to finish fourth in the as it was then the JLT, which is now the Turners. Uh, Simply the Bets, uh, who won it two years ago, well not three years ago, because they abandoned it, didn't they, in 2021? So um, two runs back, if you like. Um, he went on to win the old what what is now uh, the Festival Plate, used to be called the Marmot Fleet. Um, he won it with simply the bets. Um, and Imperial Alcazar, who was a winner of this race last year, ended up finishing runner-up in his respective race, race last year to call Cody. So it's become a race that we need to start taking seriously with regards to Cheltenham Festival form. Um, it's a really competitive affair, as, as you can see by uh, sort of like the betting. Fire dances um, heads heads of the market in some in, in most lists, but I, I just get my I have my slight doubts whether Venetia Williams's charge will, will get home here. He 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 made all the running last time at Ludlow, and and you'd sort of cut him a give him a pass for tying up in the latter stages because he hadn't run for nearly two years. But um, whether he'll get two mile five on soft ground, if he is pestered for the early lead, which I predict he will be. He got a bit of a solo at Ludlow, which is easy to achieve, but I'm not sure he'll do it on this occasion. So even off um, sort of 10 stone six, a, a very workable mark of 120, I'm not sure whether he can dish out the same kind of punishment that he did at Ludlow. Um, Stage Star is definitely a horse that you need to have on your shortlist and, and take very seriously, even though he's got the steady of 12 stone. He often goes um, off on, in front and sets a good gallop, and that's certainly worth bearing in mind if you're betting on the chase track at Cheltenham this weekend. Nine times out of ten, the winner of most of these races either makes all the running or is ridden prominently on the on the uh, new course. Um, it has a huge um, bias when the ground's soft at this time of year to front runners. So he, he's one to be um, considered. But I'm going to go with the one at a much bigger price, George. Uh, I quite like a horse called That's All Right Gino. I've tipped this horse up a couple of times in my column, so I'm, I'm sort of going into the territory of um, following, following over a cliff. But um, I do think the step up to two and a half mile is, is what he's been crying out for. Um, he won very well at Chepstow um, on his chase debut three runs ago. And then he ran over that two miles next time out at Newbury and he, he just got done for foot. 
He was always on his head that day, looking as though he, he was struggling to get back at the front runners. And in the end, he, he was uh, never near a third, staying on quite strongly on the running. That was a good time figure. The race has worked out well since. So I, I really fancied him at Doncaster last time out. But on good ground round Doncaster against uh, Haddock's de Zabot, he just couldn't lay up. He just didn't have the tactical speed. He was flat to the boards all the way. Never looked like trouble in the winner, Gary Moore's horse. And in the end, he had to settle for fourth, beating about 15 lengths. But he was doing some good work on the running, once again, to suggest that a step up to two and a half miles will suit him. Um, and I think with a more positive ride this time over uh, um, over this trip, and, and they're not likely to go as quick as what he's been encountering of late, I, I think he's the most overpriced horse and underestimated horse in this field. So if you can get double figures about that's all right, Gino, I don't think he'll be too far away come Saturday. 11 to 1, uh, best price. Now that's a William Hill, 10 bet, uh, Sporting Index, Ladbrokes, and a live score bet, 10 to 1 uh, elsewhere. So double figure prices across the board as it stands there for That's All Right Gino, Andy Selection in the second. If you want those four places of Sky Bet, you're going to have to take 10s. Um, cross country now, where Delta Work, um, you know, the the hero or the villain, whichever way you want to look at it, of last year's Cheltenham Festival cross country um, with that incredible Tiger Roll performance that couldn't quite see off. Uh, the stable mate and uh, the stable companion, uh, but Delta Work comes here at 11 to four, singing banjo 13 to two, uh, Diesel Dallier nine to one, Foxy Jacks nine to one, back on the lash nine to one, Manila Times nine to one, uh, 11 to one bar those uh, 15 here, Andy. Um, any view on the on the cross country? Not not a strong one. Um, obviously, we've we've got to talk about this race for podcast purposes, but um, I'm we not going to take this it, race. Though. <laughs> no, well, it's there, so we might as well just mention a couple. And obviously, Delta Work is the is the the main focal point for right, all the right reasons. Um, as you mentioned, he won that race last year, the cross country, which suggested he's taken really well to his new discipline. Um, only just scrambled down on his seasonal reappearance when he got the better of uh, good old punch punch down favourite uh, singing banjo. I think he's been going uh, uh, seems to be running in those kind of races forever. Um, mm. So yeah, look, he's he's the the sort of like preeminent horse to to continue in the path of lots of Gordon Elliott horses in this race, i.e. Tiger Roll. Um, I mean, he was an outstanding third in the Grand National, having having won the the the, the cross country. So he he's very adaptable, isn't he? Even even though he's he's rising um, rising eleven. Manila Times is an interesting runner, obviously former Grand National winner as well himself. Um, and obviously Henry de Bromhead is recognising he's probably not as good as he was and perhaps giving him a, a new lease of life at this, in this kind of sphere. So he's not, he's not one to sort of dismiss out of hand. And then you've got the sort of like the regulars around this track, like, you know, Dizal Dalliers and back on the lashes of this world. But I think they would probably need the ground to dry out a little bit for them to be um, competitive. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a race I'm not going to be betting in, but um, yeah, Delta work is, he's going to take a hell of a lot of beating if, if he's in the same form as he was. Um, last March. Yeah, absolutely. 11 to 4 there with Hills. Uh, not going to spend too long on the cross country, but Delta Work, the favourite to beat. And I guess, you know, 11 to 4 about a horse where you think uh, yeah. if he turns up, he's got a good chance. It's probably a fair crack. Um, I thought he'd be shorter. I actually thought he'd be shorter than that, George, when you, mm. when you, yeah, I mean, I know it's a handicap and you can make a case out for those receiving weight, but um, Clash usually tells in these kind of events because they don't go particularly fast. So, yeah, 11 to 4 is not a bad shout for that. 
Uh, on to the um, Clarence House now, the rearranged Clarence House here, um, now taking place at 120 at Cheltenham. Uh, there were just three runners. Now we have six, which is good news for everybody, I guess, apart from the, the Tizard camp who thought they were going to pick up some easy prize money with Amarillo Sky when there were just three of them turning up. But Anagamin, I mean, the, the price of the top two basically remains the same. Anagamin, 8 to 15, Edwardstone, 2 to 1. Editor Dajit uh, might serve up a bit more of a challenge to those two. Um, at 12 to 1, uh, Fernando Savola, 50 to 1, Amarillo Sky, 66s, and Sizing Potsy, 150 to 1. Um, so 8 to 15, 2 to 1, the top two, Andy. Uh, is that about where you have the two of them? Absolutely, yeah. Um, there's no way you can suggest that there should be any closer in the market. Anurga means a champion chaser. He's proven himself at this division for the last two or three seasons. Um, he's, he's pretty much bomb-proof. The only time he got beaten in recent times was that in that Herculean race between him and Shiskin. Um, and he's turned the form around in no uncertain terms uh, at the festival in March. Since then, he's been unbeaten. Punches down, of course, on his uh, seasonal reappearance in the Hilly Way, which was a bit of a non-event, really, to be honest. But it proves that he's still in full working order. And um, it's interesting that Willie Mullins is still prepared to roll the dice a week on after this um, um, race was lost through its original target and, and venue at Ascot. He could have easily thought, oh, well, I'll wait to the Dublin Racing Festival, etc." But no, he's, he's, he's still coming over. And it's even more in his favour in many respects because he's actually at his happy hunting ground at Cheltenham. Mm. Not saying that Ascot doesn't play into his strengths, but he did get beat there. Whereas at Cheltenham, um, um, as he proved last year, he's he's um, fully capable of going up and down hill and down dale. Edward Stone, obviously, it represents the Arkle form. You know, that, that unseat ride of the day was a little bit alarming. He, he has made mistakes in the past, and you do think, well, hopefully that won't start creeping into his game um, now he's made it to the very top table. Uh, but look, he'll give um, Ergen Ergen plenty to think about. He'll keep him honest, but I don't think he'll beat uh, William Mullins' horse. And at least we've got some other horses as well in this race to make it uh, a bit more of a spectacle than it would have been at Ascot. Uh, and, and the ones that have been added to the race as well, George, at least they're all... They're all um, likely to make a good solid pace. Eddie Gutierrez, we know, we saw at Kempton, he goes off in front. Amarillo Sky, he's a front runner. Um, Fenimbu Savola as well, he likes to race Andy. So it's good news for both Edward Stone and Anergamin in every way, shape, or form that they're going to get a truly run solid race and it isn't going to be messy. Yeah, and indeed. Uh, Anergamin there, 8 to 15 ahead of Edward Stone. So no, no bet really in the race. Just, just... No bet, but yeah, again, I, I, I find it very, very difficult to. Uh, move away from an ergamine, but it's it's not the kind of horse that um, I usually bet on a regular basis. On to the 150 now, um, the uh, handicap chase of an extended two and a half miles, uh, where El Rodoto and Fugitive are the joint five to one favourites. Your darling nine to one. Uh, we need uh, Ed Quigley on the podcast talk about your darling, one of the, one of his specialist subjects. Uh, I'm sure he'll be he'll be backing your darling at 150. Uh, Brave Siska is 10 to one. Carl Philippe 12 to one. Silver Hallmark 14 to one. Guy 16 to one. Uh, as is uh, Nocte Volatus and uh, Now Where or When, uh, and Felix Way 16 to one as well. And simply the bets 20 to one. Bar those, Andy. Competitive in numbers, George. This, but the more I look mm. at it, the more weaker I actually think it is. Um, it's definitely weaker than the race that Il Rodoto uh, was fourth in last time beyond Midnight River. Um, so you could argue that he sets the track or course and distance form standard based on that run. And uh, I see he's got some um, cheek pieces on for the first time as well, just to kind of like um, focus his attentions a little more. Your darling, I'll, I'll represent Ed on, on your darling. I've got a bit of a theory with him. I think he's a very, very good horse, 
perhaps just short of top class when he's fresh and he hasn't had a run for a long time. But mm. I, I did notice that he pulled up in this race or last year, or the novice's handicap, sorry, at this meeting last year. And, and that came off the back of a run over the Christmas period. And that's exactly what he's got to try and overcome again. If he were mine, I, would have, I, wouldn't bother, I wouldn't have even entered him in this race. I would have just waited for the Cheltenham Festival and kept him away from the track for over you know, 90 or 100 days. I think that could come back to bite him in the bum. And I also think it could come to upset the apple cart when they're thinking about Cheltenham because now he's had a run in between as well. Um, he's going to have another hard race, uh, depending on how he gets on. Uh, so I'm not sure we'll see the best of him at Cheltenham, which is a bit of a shame. Mm. So I'm going to go with Fugitive here. I, I, I do think 5-1 is not a bad show for this horse. He was hugely impressive when basically sauntering away with a very competitive handicap over the Christmas period at Chepstow. Um, they went a real good pace that day. You could call him the winner from a long way out. He got there travelling very easily two out picked up the running and just sauntered clear, to be honest, and, and won with any amount in hand. Handicap was putting him up by 10, which I don't think is uh, still anywhere near the level that um, it'll um, it'll um, go to, to prevent, this, prevent this horse from winning again. And we know he likes the track as well because he ran really well the time before and behind Amarillo Sky over an adequate trip. So going back to the scene of um, a really good run when he needed it first time up, um, back over his optimum trip on his ideal ground, What's not to like about his chance? Um, it's very, very hard to say fugitive not going well here. So he's one of my sort of strongest bets in this particular podcast at five to one. Given that you said um, there's not much depth in the race, so you can get a fifth to sixth place as a sky bet in hills. So basically money back for finishing in a six. Would you be backing fugitive each way or, or just go just go in only? Yeah, I mean, Touchwood, he'd have to fall not to be in the first five or six, wouldn't he? Uh, given the way he travels... He's one of those high cruising speed horses that's always going to get himself into the business end of the race because of his <coughs> the way he's, the way he moves through his races. He's just got a real good look at so a good way of going. Um, so I'd imagine he'd be bang there, two out, uh, coming down the side of the hill, and then it's just a question of when he uh, sorry three out, big pardon, whether he he goes and does exactly what he does at Chepstow and who's to say that he can't find the sort of turn of foot that he did. And he wasn't like I say he wasn't even all out the other day. Mm. I mean how much he got left under under the bonnet only only time will tell, but. I think he's he's got more upside than quite a few of these. You know, the likes of Cool Cody. I don't think he's quite the horse he was. Carl Philippe, who's a, obviously a younger model as well and has got some good uh, form next to his name. He's a real ignorant so and so when it comes to jumping. He's he makes a he tends to drag his heels through ditches and stuff like that. He's 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 just not a particularly fluent jumper. So I don't know whether Cheltenham will suit him. I do think Silver Hallmark, if you're looking for one at a bigger price, has got to be factored into the equation because Fergal O'Brien's grey finished third in that race at Fugitive did. So if you're working on the basis where a Fugitive finishes and if he wins, then we're thinking, well, Silver Hallmark was seven lengths behind at Chepstow. He, he should be good enough to at least finish in the frame. So if you're looking for one at a bigger price, he might uh, fit the bill. But um, yeah, it's a fairly unoriginal one, but a confident one at the same time with, with the favourite Fugitive or joint favourite Fugitive. Three six five have just opened eleven to two fugitive, so there we go. That's uh, a bit of a boost to the better. price as well. Um, that is the the selection for Andy there um, in the one fifty. Uh, on then to the Cotswold Chase, uh, I guess a, a Gold Cup trial as it as it were, and uh, your selection for the Gold Cup protector at thirteen to eight favourite here, ahead of last year's Grand National winner, um, now one of the favourites for the Gold Cup in Noble Yates is two to one. Hoyson, you're looking to bounce back to some form. Uh, eight to one, Frode on nine to one. Sounds Russian ten to one. Dusart fourteen to one. Um, does your 
you know, your fancy for Protectorat and the big one in March translate to, to being the, the selection here? Well, it, it'd have to be really, George, because if he's going to win the Gold Cup and he, he's the horse that I think he is, then he needs really to be beating Noble Yates, Frodon, a high senior, if he's going to beat Galapin de Champ or have any chance of beating Galapin de Champ. Um, and obviously one or two other horses like Brain Man's Game, etc. Um, a lot of people will probably look at that Betfair chase and think, well, a Plutard never turned up. Bristol de Maze over the hill and going the other way in the other direction. Frodon, is that really his track? He's probably better at, you know, your Kemptons of this world and Wincantons of this world. But the time figure is the thing that I'm concentrating on. And we got him doing an exceptionally fast time one of the fastest times in that division for the last four or five years, which definitely means that he is a grade one horse. And that's the thing. He is a grade one winner, whereas Noble Yates isn't yet. I'm not saying Noble Yates could never get to that level or, um, you know, um, he deserves a shot at least of trying to, to get to that level. Um, but at the moment, I think Protector Rat sets a really good standard. We know he's been saved specifically for this race with a view to picking up this and then going on to the Gold Cup. So, and the way that Dan thinks as well, if you read all his comments, he's not all Cheltenham in all eggs in one basket trainer. He's very much what, you know, this race is worth 67 grand. It's on a big Saturday day. It's a grade two. Let, let's have, you know, let's treat this with the respect it deserves. So he'll have this horse absolutely hum, singing and humming. And we know he goes really well fresh. Um, so, yeah, he's a confident choice to uphold the form. Uh, with the horses he beat at Haydock. I certainly respect Noble Yates because he's going in the right direction. And the turn of foot that he showed between the second last and the last one winning at Aintree suggests that he's not just a four milo as we saw when he won the national. Um, so he's going to be a, a serious contender. Back in the field that day, however, I'm going to throw in Sound Russian into the argument to a smaller degree. Mm. I've always been a huge fan of this horse. Um, and I think Cheltenham will play into his strengths. I know he got beat well, well and truly by Noble Yates in the end at Aintree, but he got badly outpaced coming off the home turn before then running on very eye-catchingly in the latter stages. And he was closing in on uh, the likes of Ahusinor um, and Eldorado Allen. I don't think he would have beaten Noble Yates, but with a stiffer track, you could see him at least getting a bit closer. And he ran like that in the Marlon Merrick as well at Weatherby. He looked as though he was going to drop out the back of the telly, turning for home. Then all of a sudden, he picked up the bridle again and took off. I think this horse wants at least two, three, or a three-mile three mile four test. Mm. So the, the connections are thinking about the Gold Cup with him. They've entered him, and they've come in here with a view to perhaps running him in the Gold Cup. And He's one of those horses that will always pick up pieces because of the way he runs on in his races. He's a real try and a, a doughty stayer. So if this race falls apart and perhaps one or two don't run up to their best, you can bet your bottom dollar that Sounds Russian will be there to uh, clean up the um, like clean clean up the scraps off the table. So, was it ten to one top price for him? Ten to one, yeah. <clears throat> I'd probably just have a little cover bet at that price, um, with with a, like I say, with a view to not wanting to leave him out of any any equation because I, I I think he's a very good horse, Sounds Russian, and I think he'll get his day. He'll win a really, really big pot in the graded race one day when they go an absolute proper gallop over three mile two plus. In three six five, you can back sounds Russian eleven to two without protector at a quarter yeah. to two places. So uh, you know that's finishing in the three if protect if protector gets there. 
That's probably not a bad shout. That, that's a, another way of um, uh, getting the best out of the Sands Russian project. And then if you are a fan of, of, of Noble Yates and you can back Sands Russian, just win only five to two without the top two. So just taking on Dusart, Hoysenor and Froden. So a couple of possible ways of playing that. Um, but uh, yeah, Sands Russian, the, the saver, I guess, uh, with Protector at the selection at 13 to eight. Uh, on then to the three o'clock, three more races to get to on this nine race card before we have a quick look ahead to Cheltenham. Um, and Paisley Park is a five to four favourite here ahead of Janino Bello at four to one. Dashiell Drasher, four to one. Botox has 11 to one. Molly's Oddie's Wishes, 12 to one. Seven runners here, 40 to one bar. And despite Paisley Park's stunning performance last time out, still maybe not really being respected um, for the stayers, still 10 to one for the stayers. But you think uh, another performance like that back at Cheltenham, I could see that, that price go pretty quickly. Well, it's only probably the stats uh, that put you off Paisley Park for winning the stairs, really, or mm. being a player in the stairs. I mean, 11-year-olds or horses in double-figure ages tend not to win the stairs. I think you've got to go back to, was it Rose Ravine, many, many, many years ago, um, probably even back in the 80s to find the last horse that won the stairs with a double-figure age. So it does tend to put you off that a little bit. But Paisley Park's no ordinary 11-year-old, is he, George? No. Um, He's just an amazing, amazing animal. I, I can imagine that Emily Vell and Connection still can't believe what he's offering now at this uh, ripe old age. He, seem, he seems as better as ever. I'm not saying he's he's better than ever, but he's just as good as what he has been. And look, let's face it, this division is in a little bit of disarray. You know, Florian Porter hasn't looked the same. He looks like he might miss Cheltenham. You know, the horse I put up anti-post home for the Lee, unbelievably, he's worked himself down the front end of the market. Second favourite, Blazing Car, hasn't been seen for, for I know, every year. Exactly. I, I said to you, when we've discussed this race in podcasts already this season, it was a it was a division that you needed to take seriously from a betting perspective because if you latched onto the right horse, you, you could get yourself into a good position. And I wouldn't want to be dismissing Paisley Park completely out of winning another stayers just because it's him. I mean, he does extraordinary things. Do you remember this race last year? I was there in the stands and when he jumped off and he must have been 20, 30 lengths behind. And I turned to my, actually I was with my mum um, and I said, oh God, they, they need to be re- thinking about retiring Paisley Park. He doesn't want to even mm. start or line up. And lo and behold, about six minutes afterwards, he <laughs> smothered my face with a massive custard pie. Um, <laughs> so look, you know, you dismiss him out of hand um, to, your, to your peril. Um, well, I'd back him at five to four, given what he can potentially do, i.e., you know, throw in a bad run. Um, he's probably not for me, but um, look, I totally respect him, and he's he's one of the stalwarts of the game. And I think a lot of the race goes that go there this weekend, me included. I think there'll be twenty thousand plus there. Um, he'll raise the roof if he wins. I think he'll probably be one of the highlights of the day. But I'll say, from a betting perspective, not at five to four. Um, who would you be backing if you had to to, to take Paisley Park on? Uh, I think Dash or Drasher would probably be the one I'd look at the price. Um, he's been mixing it over hurdles and over fences. Obviously, he got beat by Marie's Rock here last time. I think she's a very good mare. He just got done for toe, didn't he, by a horse who's got a better turn of foot. But we know he stays three miles really well. Um, he just touched off the time before by Noble Yates. He's run well over three miles over hurdles before. And I think he'll pretty much get the run of the race out front as well. And as I said to you before, this track, both over hurdles and over fences, does suit front runners. It's very difficult to make the ground up from the back of the field. So if Rex Dingle gets the fractions right on, on Jeremy Scott's 10-year-old, then he might be the one in a tactical affair that might just um, be able to sneak away and, and slip the field. But um, 
Not a race I've got a particularly like strong view on, but he'd he'd be he'd be the pick of the prices anyway. Dassel Drasher four to one uh, with Hills and Bet three six five uh, seven to two market price. Uh, two more races on the card. We've got the Ballymore Novice Hurdle Trial, um, the two and a half mile, uh, yeah, Novice Hurdle uh, with Pembroke, the eleven to four favourite ahead of Henry the Second at seven to two. Uh, Bleckensop uh, looking for a five timer uh, is thirteen to two. Rock my way. 15 to 2, can you call 11 to 1, cruise control 16 to 1, 20 to 1 bar those. 12 runners here, Andy. And again, um, looking for those nice speed figures that can tell us which of these novice hurdlers uh, could be uh, the one to side with here. Yeah, top of the pile is Pembroke, which you normally wouldn't expect, given that he's the one who's raced in the sort of uh, less choppy waters yet. We've got mm. Henry II, who won a grade two. Rock my way. Ran here last time out beyond a nice haul of Nigel Twist and Davies's. Blinking Soft has been winning good handicaps. So you'd, you would have thought either one of those three would have the fastest times. But Pembroke um, has got the quickest time an hour card anyway, based on that run at Ludlow of all places last time out. I put up a horse called Weston Zephyr that day, who clocked a good number at the Shropshire track the time before. And I thought he was a good thing that day. But Pembroke not only beat him, he absolutely battered him senseless. He beat him by about 16 wickets. He never came off the bridle, and the time was exceptionally good. And I, I went away from that race thinking, wow, what just happened there? <laughs> um, so much so that I want to basically get with Pembroke in most races that he runs in, within reason. I think, I think this is a good race for them to run in because, A, they'll <clears throat> get acquainted to Cheltenham. They'll find out whether he's a graded horse, all in one fell swoop. Um, and, again, I, th- I think the, the Ballymore, if you like, is one of the divisions that, the Irish haven't exactly dominated. They haven't got like a Bob Olinger or a, an absolute top grade one horse so far. They've got horses that have thrown their hat into the ring, but it's still a wide open looking race, the Ballymore. I think we're, we're still talking of four or five to one the field. So if something from this country could put a marker down over here, round the, the, the course, not the course of distance course, because the Ballymore's run over the, the old course, um, then a horse like Pembroke could easily make the lineup. I think he's good enough because he's got a really good cruising speed. So we'll see what he's made of up against uh, what looks at, at, at a decent and above average field come Saturday. Yeah, Pembroke there, the one uh, for Andy. Uh, the favourite at 11-4, to four, that is with Bet365, looking to lay down a marker there for the Ballymore, where I think the best price is 33-1 to one as it stands for the moment um, for March. Uh, last race on the card, uh, handicap hurdle over two miles. Uh, punctuation is the 92 favourite ahead of Mai Tai. At five to one, Hacker de Place uh, is uh, thir- eleven to two. Sorry, Picar um, six to one, a horse that's been on your radar but disappointed recently. Andy, uh, twelve to one, Nelson sixteen to one. Bar those. Uh, do you give Picar another another chance after last time? I'd have to really because I was of the view that he was a very well handicapped horse um, going into that race last time on at Newbury, based on his victory at uh, Chepstow the time before, a race which of course worked out incredibly well. Hollenbach who was second. Um, he went on to win a listed race next time out at Haydock, beating the Mian Line, who then finished second in the Tolworth. Um, Master Chewy, the third horse, he fell at the last next time out at Ascot and was a bit unlucky. Time for Tune, the fourth, has won. Um, so it, it looked a very strong race. So off a mark of 125 or whatever it was, he looked to be well treated. But the, it, was, it was a combination of two factors at Newbury. He was quite keen at the back. It was two and a half miles. It was bottomless ground that day. It was really, really wet. And he just didn't show up. Some of Dan Skelton's horses at the time as well were a little bit below par. I think he had four horses at Kempton uh, the day after Boxing Day that all ran really Mm. badly. So 
like I said, the mitigating circumstances. I think the key to him is dropping back to two miles. That seems to be his trip based on what he did at Chepstow. Um, so at six to one, I think we're now looking at getting a little bit of value for Picard, whereas last time he was sort of five to two and you, you didn't really have much scope with that um, on that occasion. I certainly respect punctuation. He was a good winner here last time out in a slowly run race, but I think the faster they go, the better for him because he's got a real good cruising speed and we know he likes the track and a bit of soft ground. So I think he's the one to beat punctuation. But yeah, for us Picard fans, and I'm sure there's <laughs> plenty of them out there, we're probably... Um, Prepare to give him one more uh, one more chance. Pick our six to one with Coral and Labrooks. Uh, reading some stuff on social media at the moment um, that there's a chance that Cheltenham could be in a, could be in doubt for Saturday, which would be an almighty blow um, given oh, the way I've... the last couple of weeks. And just looking at the exchange market as well, I mean, there's you know you can you can back racing to to go ahead at bigger than two one. Um, we'll see. Ho- I'd, hopefully... be I'd, I'd be shocked unless there's. I mean, looking at the forecast, we're talking eight, nine, ten degrees in the middle of the daytime. I, I mean, you, you go out here now and all the frost, like, which was be- embedded the into the ground. Well, it was just it was embedded into the ground a week ago. Now, you, I mean, it's just muddy up to your up to your eyes. It's it's back to normal. So, Cheltenham have got two more days for that thaw to come fully out of the ground. Obviously, there's going to be certain areas where it could be a little bit patchy even now. But I would be astonished. I must admit, if that's off. Well, fingers I, crossed. I, I mean, yeah, you know that the things are okay, and and we see in the coming hours, and hopefully by the time you're watching or listening to this, um, there is no danger of Saturday being off because that would be an almighty blow after the couple of weeks that we've had in the in the game. Mm, very much so. Um, yeah, so that brings our Saturday preview to a close. But it's time for our first ever festival focus, where we start looking ahead to to individual races in uh, March for uh, the Cheltenham Festival. And we're going to start with the first race of the whole week. It is of course the Supreme Novice Hurdle and uh, Fasal Vega is the 10 to 11 favourite. Uh, that 10 to 11 is standout with Bet UK, uh, 4 to 6 and 8 to 11 with most firms. I think Bet UK sticking their neck out there trying to get a bit of business in. So we fancy that 10 to 11 head over there. Um, Marie Nationale is the uh, 5 to 1 second favourite. Rare edition 14 to 1. Uh, to Har- Tamaris 14 to 1. Uh, Impere Pass 20 to 1. Gaelic Warrior 20 to 1. Irish Point 20 to 1. High Definition 20 to 1. Chasing Fire 25 to 1. I mean, of those I've just mentioned, you'd think a majority probably won't be heading for, to the Supreme. I think a fair few are going to be swerving Fasal Vega at any cost. Uh, Willie Mullins has said that he might be the, the best he's ever trained. Some question marks over the jumping uh, last time uh, seen over hurdles. But Andy, how do you see this market as it stands? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to disagree with the bookmakers, really. I mean, you you could be in a situation whereby if he wins at the Dublin Racing Festival and a lot of these others see pointless taking him on where we're going to get a very, very small field and he could go off two to five. Um, obviously, there's still plenty of water under the bridge between now and then. Things can change, but as it stands, he's looked fairly dominant in his division. He did last year when he when he was in his bumper Um Category, he, he just stood out like a sore thumb. The times he clocked prior to Cheltenham were good, and of course, he went on to justify that winning on ground that he probably didn't appreciate. Um, his time figure when he won last time out at Leopardstown was right up there with grade one level, i.e., what Marine Nationale did in, in the raw bond, and with the potential of more to come if he can sharpen up his jumping here, then everywhere. 
Um, he, he's a formidable opponent for for anything in this in, at this level. He's just a very very strong galloping horse. That he's a brute, isn't he? He's just a mm. an, a, a relentless galloper. Um, he hasn't really got necessarily a turn of foot as such, but he can go a gallop and maintain it for a long time. He's a bit different to Constitution Hill. I think the big question is where, what what will happen to him next season. Presumably, he goes through the ranks uh, as expected on Sky. Does he go over fences or does he go down the Constitution Hill route and go down the Champion Hurdle? Um, scene. So yeah, he's a he's a very very exciting. But if he horse. goes if he goes if he goes chasing, then there's every chance he could bump into Constitution Hill in, in novice chases. Who knows? Yeah, you know, and then you know he'd be taking on um, a, a proper that be that be you go a, you know a million miles to see that race, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, the thing is, I just think it's such a, a weak division over here in general. I don't think we've seen anything in particular other than rare edition of running quite a good time at Kempton that suggest that we've got anything to to worry the Irish. Even Tamaris, uh, I thought his picture in the Tolworth was uh, fairly substandard. And he just doesn't look the type that will win the Supreme to me. Um, I don't think he's quick enough. Um, so, yeah, I think the Irish have got this, like they often do, um, uh, very much by a stranglehold. I mean, if, if you're if you're an each way maggot, then you'll look to, to marine national each way because at least he's won a grade. He's won a grade one, and uh, he's going to go there. He's calling a maggot. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a it's just a race. It's very very difficult to see beyond Fasal Vega, and he, he'll definitely run in this race as well. I don't think there's any danger of him stepping up in trip. Fasal Vega there, ten to eleven with Bet UK. The way to play this one, Betway also go ten to eleven too. So those are the two firms you want to get onto if you want to back Fasal Vega at this stage at ten to eleven. Uh, before we let you go, Andy, just got a couple of questions from from those who tweeted us with two questions um, ahead of the festival for you. Uh, starting with Ale, uh, what's the lay of the festival from all the short price fabs? Lay of the festival. No, that's. I must admit, I, I haven't done a huge amount of homework. I should have. I should have checked that out. Um, lay. I'll just quickly go through. Um, so we got the short ones. We have got Fasal Vega odds on. Not that one clearly. John Bon. Uh, we got Constitution Hill for the Champion Hurdle at four to eleven. Uh, we've got. Uh, Eight to eleven on Ergamine, best price. Delta work thirteen to eight for the cross country. Um, Alaho two to one for the Ryanair. As it probably, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably Alaho. I'd say. Um, Lossy mouth on, for the Triumph. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to be posing Lossy mouth, particularly in a, in a, in a rush. I'd, I'd probably say Alaho based on the fact that we haven't seen him and it's, it's the preparations that he normally has haven't haven't quite. Um, come to fruition yet? Yeah, I, he, you know, he's had a run. He had a run at Thurles last year. He had a run in the John Dirk in the year before. Look, I'm a massive fan of Alaho, but you know, the, the vibes aren't particularly strong at the moment. And if Blue Lord does put a marker down by winning uh, over two mile one at the Dublin Racing Fest, and then presumably he'll go out of the the uh, the uh, Champion Chase category because an Ergamin's in there for William Mullins, and he runs in the Ryanair, he's going to be a serious opponent. Then you know, you chuck in the likes of potentially Shiskin, Fakir Duduris and, and one or two others. Um, at this very moment in time, I think he's the most vulnerable of the ones that we talked about because, you know, your Fasal Vegas, your, your John Bonds, your, your Lossy Mouse, they they stand out in their category. And like I say, they, they've done figures to, that make them quite difficult to oppose. If if, they, if none of them have done any times yet, I'd say, oh, yeah, that's done nothing, that's rubbish, That we'll, we'll, get, we'll get that fake. <laughs> but, 
you know, John Bond's done some fantastic numbers. Vassel Vega's done good numbers. Lossy Mouth has. So, yeah, it, it'd probably be Alaho out of the, all, the, all the short ones we mentioned. Alaho, the lady at this stage for Andy. Yeah. And finally, Des asks, has Andy got an each way lucky 15 for the festival? Cheers. Um, well, yeah, well, I've, I've put up quite a few horses along the way. Um, several of them aren't necessarily each way prices now. I think Impervious is probably the best position we're in, having tipped her before she uh, beat the boys the other day. Um, she looks like um, a, a serious opponent for uh, Gallery, uh, Al- sorry, Allegory de Vassy. I think that's one of the great head-to-heads of the uh, entire festival, that Mare's Chase. So there's a bit of spice in that. She's now trading at sort of two to one, seven to four. So um, if you're looking for an each way, um, looking for 15, you wouldn't want to necessarily be putting her in. I'd suggest I'd stick with the horse that I'd put up for the uh, Albert Bartlett, uh, Hidden Valley Lake. He's still available back at 11 to two. Um, he looks as though he's got some decent competition now in the shape of Embassy Gardens and Three Car Brago. Um, put down decent markers in, in the last week or two. But I really like him. His court victory was uh, very eye-catching on the clock and um, he, he looks the kind of, kind of horse that, um, uh, you know, will go that will run over hot coals for you. Mm. Um, I'd suggest a real whacker, um, a horse I tipped the other day for odds checker in the Brown Advisory. Some people quite, can't quite work out why this horse is towards the head of the market. Well, his time figures have been exceptionally good, so that's one of the reasons why I do think he deserves to be five to one for or six to one top price for, mm. for the brand advisory, and that seems to be seems to be the uh, the the way that they're going with him. Again, I'll stick with Protector at in the um, in the Gold Cup. I still think he's value as well, George. I'm not just like putting him yeah. up now to to add on what I've already said. Look, what did we tip him at? 10, 12 to one last time. He's, he's still available. Yeah. yeah, he's still nines now. Um, before the weekend. Um, uh, comes and goes, so um, I, I'd, I'd probably um, stick with that. And I'll just I'll just throw in one more for you as well because it's difficult to do the handicaps. I'd love to put up like an each way multiple for the handicaps, but um, haven't quite um, got that yeah. far yet because we haven't got the, the entry stage. I, I do think there's one that's slightly overpriced in the mayor's hurdle, not the mayor's novices, the mayor's hurdle, uh, and that's a horse of Dan Skelton's um, that won it. Kempton the other day won the Lanzarote hurdle West Balboa now she runs in the same colours and is owned by Roscana uh, Connections who mm. won, won the Mayor's hurdle uh, several years ago I think picked yeah. up the pieces when uh, the Mullers horse fell at the last course Annie Power we all remember that uh, but look, Roxana rocked up in those big grade ones grade twos at Aintree over a, a decent period of time and I'm not necessarily saying that West Balboa is uh, the natural um, successor to that throne for um, for the for the stable, but I love the way she got it done in the Lanzarote. That was a proper gallop. There was twenty odd runners, only four finished, so it was very much a survival of the fittest. And she stayed on really strongly. I think she's better than the current market suggests that she is um, thirty three to one. And the fact that she's got an entry for the mayor's race um, wouldn't surprise me if, if connections rolled the dice and, and ran her in that because. Uh, Maybe handicaps might, might not necessarily fit her bill. There we go. Uh, the each way, Lucky 15, Hidden Valley Lake, 5-1, to 6-1, um, to one, the Real Wacker for the Brown Advisory, Protector at 8-1 to one for the Gold Cup, West Balboa, 33-1. to one. That's the best price you can get for the Lucky 15, which is with Bet365. Uh, the each way, Lucky 15, all of them are 5th to 3 there. Thanks very much to Andy uh, for sharing his thoughts. And make sure you don't forget to sign up to the brand new Cheltenham Super Service in the build-up to the festival. 
find exclusive insight from Andy and Johnny Ward, as well as market movers, news, giveaways, and even access to exclusive events. The, the sign-up link is in the description below. Thank you to Andy for taking the time to share his insight with us. Do download the app where you can find all the best odds. Uh, Bookie offers free bets, place terms, and Andy's tips straight to the app every single morning of racing. Fingers crossed racing goes ahead on Saturday at Cheltenham. Have a great time there, Andy. Uh, we'll speak to you again next week. And for the listeners and viewers, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Enjoy the racing and please do ensure that you gamble responsibly.